You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 114. Hey there, folks. Chris Lester here. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. This is the show where I share my fiction with you and keep you up to date on my life and my writing. Today I'm going to share one of the panels I was on at Balticon this year. This panel was called Why the Storyteller Needs a Narrator. If you're an author who's hoping to put your books on Audible, there's a lot of good information here that I think you'll find helpful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Why the Storyteller Needs a Narrator here at Balticon 51. I'm your moderator, Chris Lester. I'm the creator of the Metamore City Story Universe. You can find my stuff at metamorecity.com. I've got some lovely, wonderful people here on the panel with me who I was going to introduce to you with flowery description of all their bona fides and then I brought the wrong computer today. So all of my notes are back at the room. So I'm going to just let, we're going to start at that end. We're going to let everybody introduce themselves and tell them what, tell you guys why they're awesome and why you should listen to them about this topic. My name is Melissa. I am a book reviewer, podcast reviewer from my world in words and pages Um, That is my blog. I also do content editing, um, Melissa L. Hayden, and today I am here just to pretty much help share from a listener's perspective, as I've been reviewing audiobooks. Um, I am Erin Kazmark. I am co-host of the Melting Podcast, narrator, voice actor as well. Um, I've been featured on other podcasts as well, such as The Voice of Free Planet X and Supervillain Corner. (laughs) Um, I'm AF Grappin, I'm the other host of the Melting Podcast as well as producer I am the author of Star Signs and the Deadly Studies series of novellas I am also one of the co-writers of the uh, in-production audio dramedy Vampire Needed Oh yeah, I'm in that too Yeah, you're in Vampire Needed Yes (laughs) (laughs) I did that last time I'm late, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm late, I'm sorry. Like, sorry. <laughs> Elevators were a little nuts. Yeah. So I am Veronica Jaguer. I am a narrator and voiceover artist um, for a lot of things. Um, <laughs> over 40 books now on over, Audible. Over almost 50. Wow. Yes. And other titles. I am the voice and producer and one of the four collaborators. Collaborators. Yeah, collaborators, that word. Collaborators. She reads words. She yes. It helps yeah. in there in front of me. Um, for the Secret World Chronicle podcast, along with Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lane, Cody Martin, going on 10 years now. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I read words. <laughs> so let's take a big picture view here. The uh, title of this panel is Why the Storyteller Needs a Narrator. So let's look at that at the toppest top level possible view. Why do I even need my book in audio? And if I do, why do I need it professionally narrated? Well, from the reviewer's side, I am seeing a lot of people, a lot of people jumping into the narrating or audio book perspective of books anymore. Um, People commute to work and they commute like an hour or more. Mm -hmm. This is what they do while they're in the car. 
it gives them another aspect of something to listen to instead of just the same music over and over again that they play 10 times within an hour. Um, and the, to find a narrator, I, I, you, you need to listen and find the right narrator that will fit your book. Um, I, but people were really jumping into that world big time, big time. To tag off of what you were saying, um, people are are using audio, you know, audiobooks as as their listening fodder instead of music and all this. Um, I can speak as a, a mom around the house, you know, once I can start piling all this stuff in audio form, that'll be easy for me to listen to while I'm around the house and doing chores and things. I couldn't listen to Nobilis' stuff where the kids could hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure you can. They I was going to point that out when you yeah. were done. But, uh, but so, so it's a very popular medium for just everyday people. It makes fiction and nonfiction, just, just literature in general, much more accessible to the general population because people are so busy these days. Finding time to sit down and read a physical book is, it, I can speak for it, it's extremely difficult. I've fallen behind on my reading because it's very hard to just sit and read. Um, but why you need someone professional, um, have you ever had just someone off the street pick up a book and start reading it to you? Not everybody knows how to give inflection, how to lend the story credence. I mean, if, if you have a, a book with a large cast and you want this person to do all of the voices, you need to be sure, does this person have an accent? Can they get rid of that accent to read your book? Are they? Do you have a POV character? Is it a man? Is it a woman? Do you want your book to be read as if the POV character is telling the story? There, there are a lot of things to take into consideration. Make sure you have someone who you have to uh, think about who's going to do your editing. Who's going to deal with all of that? So if you're wanting this person to also do that, you need somebody who knows how to do it. And you need to be willing to pay for it. I think that's something a lot of people don't take into consideration is it costs money. money. So, but yeah, you definitely, definitely want someone who is the right fit. And the only way to do that is to shop around. And you can't shop around unless they're a professional. Unless you can hear their work. So I'm going to give the fourth grade answer and say she stole it. She stole my answer. I did? You I'm stole s- almost word for word my answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, but seriously, I, I, I do fall into the, uh, I commute 45 minutes one way from work every day. And, you know, I have so many, I think I've got my own books I'm writing. I've got the podcast that I'm working on that finding time to sit and I've got my chain mail. I've got um, just everything that I sit and do makes, I can't do with a book in front of me. It's like I can get on a treadmill but then I'm just going crazy anyway. So having being able to run outside with an audio book or work on my chain mail and have my story told to me, I get so much more reading done through audiobooks because I can multitask. And can I just add on to that? That just as a reader, because I do things while I'm listening, like I do I work, I do the treadmill, I do the things. It is nice and it is wonderful when I have an audio narrator that makes it easy for me to follow mm-hmm. what is being told Absolutely. in the story. Absolutely. Veronica? Okay, so, um, yes, we're busier. I'm, I listen to stuff while I walk. That's study time. Mm-hmm. That's I want to find something that's going to educate me either as a professional narrator mm-hmm. or just you know some topic I want to learn more about. I want to do that while I'm doing something else, be it you know, being outside, doing stuff in the house, driving. We're going to multitask. 
The other thing is a author needs a professional narrator because they do not have the time to do anything. And, well, everything. They have time to do something. They need to write. Mm-hmm. Writers need to write. And they are going to get the best, the best bang for their buck if they spend their time writing and they produce content. Not everyone is a good narrator. Not everyone needs to be a good narrator. Not everyone is a good writer. Not everyone needs to be a good writer. But if the excellent writer is a not-so-good narrator, then they're sabotaging their writing career in two ways. One, they're taking time away from their, their ability to put words down. And two, they may be misrepresenting the words they put out. Because how many times have we turned off like, oh, I can't listen to that. Oh, I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. What if those are your own words? And someone goes, oh my gosh, I can't stand this. Well, the story itself could be really good. But, you know, the, the voice is annoying. The, me- yeah, the, you know, the, the message is lost. The inflection. The, the emotion. Mm-hmm. The Mm-hmm. Are they reading it like this? Or, not, <laughs> or not are even. they being the people? Like I, right. when I review an audiobook, I my biggest thing is narrators bring a fourth dimension. Yes, it is not a three dimensional book anymore. It is a fourth dimension because of the voice. And if you can accent, insinuate, you know, if you can make me believe you are that person. That has just taken that book from being a really good book to an outstanding piece of work. Mm-hmm. And there's different ways to do that, too. There are some people who are not good at affecting different voices for different characters, but are very good at conveying the feeling of different characters. Yes. A, a classic example of this is Jim Dale, who did the voices for the Harry Potter series. His characters all have this, they all have his voice. He's not pitching his voice up for um, Hermione or down for Snape, but the inflection, the way that he uses his voice, the personality comes through with the reader. And that is, you know, that's, that is essential. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There, I have had a situation where, I mean, I was listening to an audiobook. This was actually when I was driving to Balticon last year by myself. Had an audiobook. And the narrator was phenomenal. The book was phenomenal. The narrator's voice, at least to me, was too soothing and made me want to fall asleep. In a, I mean, just, just the voice itself had nothing to do with the text, had nothing to do with the way she read it. Mm-hmm. I yeah, can't listen. Sometimes they're just, they're amazing voices. Yes. It just doesn't fit Norm, that. Norm well. Sherman puts her to sleep. Mm-hmm. And this is a great transition into the next topic, which is how do you find the right narrator for your book, which is which is the key distinction that I want to make here, because there are fantastic <laughs> narrators who are wrong for your book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you find the right one? What are the things that you need to consider? Now, I'm not an author looking for a narrator, so I really don't know the answer to that question. But from a reader's perspective, I have listened to books that do not have the right narrator. And that is not saying that the narrator is a wrong or a bad narrator, because they're, like you said, amazing narrators. They just don't fit that book. I think it's going to have to go with, and you know, the feel that you have for your book 
and you have to listen to those samples and communicate with who's going to be narrating to find out if they can give you the feel or the emotion that you are looking for to fit that book and your characters themselves. See, I know it on a much smaller scale, just on a, a short fiction and flash fiction from the podcast. You know, we haven't done a full book length. Um, but, but for us, I mean, we have, we have three people on staff that are our podcast. You know, my husband, who is not here today. But um, when we get a story in, we have to look it over and we have to, to decide between the three of us who's got the best voice for this. Is, is it a woman? Then it's usually going to be me. Is it... You know, is this story from the perspective of a very disgruntled man? Yeah, my husband's the right one for that. But uh, <laughs> he's grumpy. He was awesome. He's awesome, but he's grumpy. He's, he's disgruntled. He's disgruntled. But uh, but no, just just like she said, listening to samples, listening to some of the other work that they've done. Get an audiobook that was narrated by some of the people that you're mm-hmm. that you're thinking about uh, working with, and see what's their versatility. Are are you wanting them to do voices? Well, can they do that? Maybe the samples they've sent you don't show that. So listen to something they've already done. And this is where the choosing a professional is so important comes in. If it's, uh, obvi- if it's a new narrator, someone who's just trying, have them read a selection of your book for you. Mm-hmm. And have, basically interview them. Have them send you the clip so that you can see, is this going to be the right feel? See, see if they're directable. Can you direct them? Is this someone that maybe they didn't get it right the first time? So you give them a direction, and then they can change it, and they can do it for you. Make sure not only are they capable, but are they good to work with? Is this someone who is wanting to show off for themselves and just put something else under their belt and bring in the money? Or is this someone who really wants to feature your work? And I think of the, when you say, when you talk about directing them, Mm -hmm. I always think of the panel, and Veronica has always been on it with Alex White, Dynamic voice dynamic acting. Voice the dynamic acting. voice acting. Yes. And the best commercial that reminds me of that, every time I see the commercial, is the insurance commercial. This is my car. This is my car? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. The same words when read by two different There's, people are going to sound completely they, they, different. They've done another one now with a couch, but yeah. 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 And yeah. The, I, I have this couch. The other. It's like all right. So, but on from the flip side of that, from from the narrator standpoint, you want mm-hmm. to find someone who you can give a little bit of direction and leave alone. Yes, mm-hmm. they can because take. once because once you hand that script o- script over to the narrator, from the narrator perspective, mm-hmm. it's mine now. You mm-hmm. don't want to be micromanaged. No, yeah. no, and you're the expert when it comes to your book and your work. But the reason that you hire a professional narrator is because they are the professional verbal storyteller. Mm-hmm. And you trust them. Yes, mm-hmm. you have right. to trust them. They may say, well, I'm not sure if you really want to go with that kind of voice because this, this, and this. I know there's some care. Well, we want her to sound like this. I'm not sure if I can do that. And if you find a narrator who says, you want this, this, and this, I can give you this, this, and this could be a stretch. I'm not sure. So finding someone who is honest with mm-hmm. what they can do. If you're willing to say, well, try this. Let's see if it works. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. And that's why that interview process is yes. so mm-hmm. important. Make sure mm-hmm. this is someone you are comfortable with mm-hmm. handing your work mm-hmm. to and trusting that and they will do justice. And ask other people who've worked with them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there are a lot of groups out on Facebook 
that are with, like, I'm a member of a couple of audiobook um, narrator and producer groups, a couple of ACX narrator and producer groups. The, <laughs> it's a very small pool that we all swim in. <laughs> and um, if somebody fouls up the water, we all know. Mm-hmm. And there are there are people it's like you don't want to work with this person. Here's why. Oh my! I had that same experience. I did too. And then everyone else is going, "Well, why didn't you say something?" <laughs> but it's unfortunately, mm-hmm. if you have if you're a professional and you have a good reputation, then as an author, you're going to find those people because those are the same names that keep coming up. If you say, "Well, I'd like to work with this person," and someone goes, "Well." Then you want to message them and say, I saw that well. Could you provide me a little more? (laughs) What what comes after the dot, dot, dot? Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, it's being polite and candid about it. Um, Because, again, the the circles are very small. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that reputation as an author of being difficult. Are there um, markets where authors can find narrators to get, like, reviews and Profiles and voice samples, things of that nature. So, if you go to ACX, um, if if you choose to release your book via ACX, the Audiobook Creation, Creation Exchange, it's part of Audible. Um, every author on there has a profile, and they have samples, and they will put out several samples. If you look up audiobook narrators, many of them have their own sites. And they'll put samples there. So, yes, ACX has a repository. Um, if you choose to go through one of the smaller production companies, like listen to a book, they do have a roster of um, narrators that you can work with. Um, but it depends on where you're starting out. Not everyone starts out at the level where they can pay a professional minimum rate of $200 per finished hour. And so if you're if if you should figure out where you start and how to scale and then where do you look based on what you can afford. Mm-hmm. So what are the the different options for narrator contracts? ACX, you've got the royalty share mm-hmm. system. Right. You've got the ability to prepay people for yes. hire based mm-hmm. on their posted rates. Yes. And then there's also doing things outside of ACX yes. where you a hybrid write, model. Yeah, where you mm-hmm. where you write the contract independently mm-hmm. and you sign it and work with that person outside of ACX. Mm-hmm. What are the advantages and disadvantages of each of these approaches? How much profit do you want? <laughs> that's that, that's one of the big things. And what can you afford to put up front? So. Let's look at, let me look at the pure royalty share. And that's pretty much exclusively through ACX because trying to handle royalties on your own is an accounting nightmare. (laughs) Bless those who are able to do it. Um, For ACX, the deal is that Audible, Amazon, takes 60% of the profit, 60% of the sale off the top. The author gets 20%, the narrator gets 20, or the producer gets 20%. So you have your, your, your voice group and then your rights holder. So narrator, author. If you do that, that means for a $15 audiobook, sorry, $16 audiobook, I'm going to round. That's fine. Then out of every book, you're getting two bucks. 
if that's a 12 hour audiobook per finished hour rates, that's $2,400. And you got two bucks out of it. How many sales are you going to have to make via royalty share to meet that minimum? If it's a good, if you have a series, long tail, fantastic. The middle of that is like what Chris said, you go outside of ACX. And in those cases, the author and the narrator will negotiate a fee, and that's often to cover post-production. Because the just like the storyteller needs a narrator, the narrator needs a post-production team so they can focus on narrating and not taking out all the mistakes and making it sound sweet. So it's that, that per finished hour rate doesn't just guarantee the good narration, it guarantees good post-production for a quality product. So as an author, how are you going, what can you afford for the best quality product? And if you have less, if you have more time than you have yes, money. Yes, it's, it's always that triangle. Yeah, if you have more time than you have money, mm-hmm. you can, on the one hand, mm-hmm. go the royalty share route if you find a narrator who's willing to work with you right. on that basis. They're basically taking you on spec and they're assuming up front that you're going to make that your book is going to make money for them because they are giving you a ton of work on the front end mm-hmm. in the expectation that that's going to pay off. Don't expect that from somebody who's well long established in the field as a narrator unless they really think your book is dynamite or you've got mad sales on a series. Right. Mm-hmm. They have to have some reason to believe that you are worth the investment for them of doing that much work up front with no pay. There's also the possibility that you can be your own producer and contract with a narrator for the raw audio. Mm-hmm. And then they do the, the straight recording. That's cheaper because they're not spending the time or the effort to, you know, to, to um, edit their mistakes. You get to do that. So you get the audio files from them, then you upload them to ACX. In that case, you're getting the whole 40% chunk, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to work for it. And you know that's the whole 40% chunk minus whatever you paid them on the front end. So there's options, but you have to know, you know, you have to you have to know what your business model is. You have to know what you can afford to to bet on your own work, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a bit about um, contracts, just really briefly. Um, what do, what do authors need to know about contracts with voice actors? Oh well, one, like I said earlier, once you hand the work over, you can't nitpick through everything. Um, actually, we're going to mention Alex White again. <laughs> Genius that he is. Um, Who couldn't be here because yeah. of a uh, business trip? I know, but he got to go to Quebec. Um, I talked to him because he does among the many things Renaissance man um, he composes music and I asked him once I was like well what have you know rates and all this he goes well you get three times to correct it after that we're done that's actually in the contract I'm like that's really smart Mm -hmm. because then you agree that means the person who's listening has to really listen Mm -hmm. it's like okay we'll make this correction All right, change it again 
what you listened to the first time. Yeah, we'll change it again. Third time, no, we're done. Mm -hmm. Something like that should be in the contract. I know with the ACX contracts, if something falls through, maybe, you know, maybe there's a, a rights issue. Maybe the author, now you've got a copyright violation and they can't go through. Well, if you're the narrator and you've put in a bunch of time, yeah, uh, yeah. so there's usually a payout. You're owed, you know, some percentage of that. Even if it never get, you know, the audio never sees the light of day, well, you still worked on it. Mm -hmm. So that needs to be part of the contract and the clause. Um, just payment schedules. Some people want to be paid all up front. Some people want to be paid as they deliver audio. Some people want to be paid at the very end. Um, I'm still figuring out the industry standard on that. I know with ACX for per finished hour, I get paid everything at the end, mm -hmm. which is a nice reinforcement. Industry standard is there is no standard. Yeah, <laughs> I will be finding more out. Um, but it's there are stock contracts, and it's a mix of entertainment law and IP law. Mm -hmm. There is an ACX has its own. Yeah, they have contract. their own standard template. And the other thing it to be to consider is if you're working with a narrator who is union or who is non-union, because they have additional minimums and expectations to maintain that union membership. Other comments from the rest of the crew she's here? She's the expert. Yeah. Yeah, she's the expert on that. But I'm telling you, like just listening to you talk about even making corrections. Mm -hmm. You know, there is so much Again, I'm getting it at the end. And I can tell just by listening that one character, their personality carries out through the whole thing. And if you change one sentence after that narrator is done, that can really change the personality that's carried through throughout the book. So I can only imagine how much work that would be to fix the, you're basically changing the whole book sometimes. Well, think about, think about renaming a, a major, think about renaming a major city in some epic fantasy tale that everybody has to go through. Then you have to go and search through that script and maybe it shows up eight times. You have to do that number of retakes and it's never just the line. You, got, no. you maybe have to retake the whole paragraph because you need to make sure it that flows mm -hmm. into what's already been recorded. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if you're outsourcing to you know post-production, they have to do it. That means that they've got to touch how many different files to make it happen. And then you have to upload it again. And then it has to be you know reviewed again. Because I've listened to some audiobooks and it's like, oh my, they cut that and put that in. Uh huh. We're talking about professional audiobooks yeah. that are for sale on Audible. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, the never-ending story. I can't hear the cut, <laughs> but I can hear the voice. Yeah, the voice mm -hmm. changes between this word and this word, and then goes back yeah. and this word. So I'm like, oh wait a minute. Well, it's like because your voice is going to sound different at different times of yeah. day, simply because of science. Your vocal cords mm -hmm. throughout the day, tighter, looser. What if? They had had a cough the day before, and so their right. voice is a little bit more raspy. You're going to hear all those tiny, tiny changes. Not to mention room tone, electromagnetic interference, mm -hmm. all these Ambient, factors that change the, mm -hmm. the character. Fixing audio in post is hard, mm -hmm. and it is 
complicated and it is expensive. Um, the last thing we will say about contracts, none of us here are lawyers. No. This is not legal advice. Print out your contract, read it, understand it. If you have any questions, take it to a lawyer who is versed in this kind of law. If you, if there is a small business association in your area, they probably have resources. I would strongly encourage you to use them. Uh, if I could just say one additional thing, you can do both going through ACX and having a side contract mm -hmm. with the rights holder. Yes. Um, if, if the rights holder can only afford to do ACX as a royalty share, mm -hmm. but you need some more surety for upfront, it's possible that the rights holder might agree. Yes. It may not be the full rate, but at least you can get a partial payment mm -hmm. uh, 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 upfront or on delivery of audio uh, in order to, to, so that you haven't lost everything if, and it's, it's all a matter of, of being able to talk to people and say how much risk you're willing to take for their product. It's almost like a security deposit. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, very much so. On your time. And also, if I, if I may real quick. Uh, sure. I am not an attorney either, I am an accountant. Um, and one of the things that I would recommend when the narrators are writing their contracts for themselves to contract out, outside of ACX is the inclusion of a kill fee. Right. You know, if, if I've only produced X percentage of the product and you decide we're not, we can't do this anymore, you owe me X percentage based on what I produced or something like that so that as narrators you don't get opposed by indecisive <laughs> rights holders mm -hmm. or by rights holders who suddenly lose all their funding. I wrote a good right. fee into my contract and I pay them out. <laughs> and if you are a, a read, uh, um, an author, I can't stress this enough, when you click the little box in ACX to say that you're agreeing to that contract, that is like signing your name in blood. Mm -hmm. This is not like the end user license agreement that you click <laughs> to install iTunes updates, okay? This is a real significant legal document that has serious legal consequences. You sign with ACX on their 40% their royalty, you are locked in with them with that book mm -hmm. for seven years, I think it is. Yeah, Whatever. So it's, it's seven years. And even if your particular narrator may be relatively new and they don't know the ins and outs, the community behind it is very knowledgeable and they will, I've seen it happen. Well, I, the rights holder hasn't gotten back to me and they think there's this issue and they have to pull the book. Within 15 minutes, there are 10 replies. You're owed this much money. Here's who you talk to. Here's what you need to do. Here's who you should go talk with. It's, it's a great community, <laughs> but it's, um, people have gotten very savvy because it's, it just like writing is an art form, narrating is an art form, and people do protect their own. Mm -hmm. So why should a, if I'm a podcaster, mm -hmm. which I am, gasp! <gasps> I think yes. most of us here are podcasters, um, why should I consider hiring a, a dedicated narrator for my books? Time, first of all. I, I have a hard enough time getting the podcast out on time and getting my books out on time and getting my chain mail out. In a, in a logical fit. I can't imagine taking something like this and actually producing it myself or even just reading it myself. That For me, that's just time. 
And yeah. I, I, honestly, I could not, I, I could do justice to this book, but it is in first person. If I write something in third person, I cannot narrate that at all. It's a problem with connecting with yeah. the character. Um, it's a part of it's knowing your own limitations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, if you're putting out material, say, it, it's me, you know, obviously a woman, obviously a very feminine voice, but my protagonist is male. Macho uh, man, Randy Savage. Yes, yeah, super <laughs> macho, all this. I'm not the right person to read that book. So if, even, even if I had all the time in the world to do it, it wouldn't come off right. You know, if you've got a woman reading something that's supposed to be from the perspective of this big, buff, tough guy, and you got my little girl voice, hee hee hee. It, it, it's not <laughs> I actually want to listen to that now yeah, yeah. I want to do that in the ring <laughs> so it's true it can work um, James Marsters voiced a story for the Dresden Files anthology that was written from Karen Murphy's perspective and it's written in the first person but James reads it. He reads it with the same voice he uses for Karen when she's in dialogue in the, mm-hmm. the stories that are from Harry's perspective. Yeah. It works. It can work. It can work, work but, but it's But knowing depend- your limitations. Know your limitations, mm-hmm. exactly. I know it wouldn't work for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Melissa, you had something to say? My only question is, as a podcaster with your book, have you already podcasted the book, or are you looking to just have it narrated? Because... Mm-hmm. I'm a guilty person of loving my podcasts. Um, I have listened to several podcasts that have been done by a cast of characters. And after listening to that, I don't think I could listen to it, even if it is a narrator that has done different voices. Because it's a different I'm attached to... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is a question I would like to pose. But the podcaster, the podcast audience, and the the audible audience are not the same. They, they are have not. To they are not We're a Venn diagram. But I am trying to cross them. But people, they, <laughs> I am crossing them. But people, people are very the no podcast no. tribe <laughs> and podcast listeners are very protective of what they know and what they love. Yes. Um, I can use Secret World stuff, um, but there's probably a more recent bit that's come through. Um, one of one of my favorites has always been the GFL. Mm-hmm. Love the GFL. Which is the yeah, Galactic GFL Football League. League by Scott yeah. Sigler. For the, those who don't know, go ISIS, I storm. <laughs> I storm. Go so the, she might be there, there are people showing yeah. off their Kraken's jersey in the audience here. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that was recently re released. I think he just, yeah, well, as a full cast. Yeah. And not everybody liked it. It's because it sucked. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding so, that. So and, and it's because some of, some of us are used to how it was delivered the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People who have never gone into it before, they might be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, because of how Secret World Chronicle was picked up and published, um, we did the podcast first to demonstrate that there was an audience for Band to make and publish. Because of Band's contract with audiobook producers, they had 
another person narrate the books. I do not go and re- I don't read reviews at all. I, I, I can't. <laughs> um, but I don't go and read the reviews for the audio version that's on Audible. I didn't narrate it. I haven't even looked at them. Some people are very unhappy that I didn't narrate it. Well, but the other person who does it delivers it in a different way. But people are used to me. They're squawking used to into you. a microphone and yeah. those noises. Again, you have given every character in that book, in that series, a voice, a personality, a life. It's a it, it's a stylistic choice that I maybe yelled at for later in life. But it's, it's the style and delivery. Right. It's because I started podcasting. And as podcasters, that's something that we're expected to do. One person is expected to go in front of a microphone and completely embarrass themselves <laughs> for the auditory amusement of the masses and with or it. without audio filters. Or they go and find a group of Suckers, friends, <laughs> and collaborators. People willing to work for people. Who will go and do this for them. That would be Metamore City. That's true. That would be Metamore City. In the original run, yes. Mm-hmm. That would be Cowery Catchers. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I don't know if I could listen to a straight reader Cowery Catchers. But the, the, thing of, the thing about Cowery Catchers, A... Rish and Lauren are doing the new Lauren are doing the new books yeah, and they're amazing. Yeah. Yes. I love their voices. They're amazing. So it cowrie catchers can work in straight read. But two, <laughs> when she went and put those books on Audible, she paid everyone by the word in advance before mm-hmm. it ever went to market, which is legally what you have to do. And yes. we all had contracts yes. that we had to sign. So you even, know, even if it was like a little, tiny little words, because I had yeah. little tiny words. And I was like, yeah, sure. Ha- really that much? Okay. Bye. But she was paying market yeah, rates. She was. She was. And that's as if, and if you're serious about being a professional author, that's the next step you do. Mm-hmm. You want to put in a professional book, you're going to have a professional cover designer. And we can all recommend folks who are probably here. Starlight. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Bless you. Scott Pond. Sorry. Bless you. Wait, Scott Pond. But that's the thing. We're going to re- you recommend professional editors, professional cover designers, professional layout. Because when your book sells better, because it looks good, sounds good, you're going to make more money back yes. from it. People it's want your investment. Writing. Which you can then so, parlay into paying for your narrator for right. your next book. Exactly. Again, so many times as a reader, I cannot tell you, I do not, I do not always go by the Amazon reviews, but I do look through them mm-hmm. as I am posting my reviews. And you see people post oh, they need to have an editor. You can tell they personally edited it. Or or like a narrator. You know, they need to have a professional work done. You know, you need that other set of eyes. You really <laughs> do. Whether it's a voice or eyes on your read or whatever, in the end, it really pays off. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Aaron hit it on the head. The biggest reason an author needs a narrator, you want your product to be as good as it possibly can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. if it is, it's going to sell better. Right. Yes, the money will come back. Now, having said all of this, full disclosure, I narrate my own books. I know, why am I on this panel? But are you the right yeah. fit then? Do you pay yourself? Yes, I do. <laughs> but the How point. Does that work? But here's, the, here's the thing. Part of the reason why I do that is because I love the narration. I love the storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's part of what gets me up in the morning as much as 
doing as much as writing the books, telling the story to people is what gets me up in the morning. And mm-hmm. you know, I've been doing this for ten years before I was doing it for money. So, so it's not like you're just you're, an inexperienced nobody saying, yeah. "I want to read my own book." Exactly. And you're not the only author that has done that. No, right. No. And like, there's the there's there are authors who can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, Neil Gaiman reads all his own stuff. And, you know, he makes enough from his books. He's got, he can afford to take the time to read his own stuff. Yeah. And he can afford to pay people to, to edit them for him. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's Neil Gaiman. No. And not everybody <laughs> knows how to work the computer to make it all fit together. Mm-hmm. If you have a blooper to cut out and seam in, mm-hmm. I don't even want to know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, you know, there was 10 years of work that went into prep to be at the point where I can be my own mm-hmm. narrator. Yeah. It's all about um, your experience yes. and what you have under your belt, whether you are the right fit to be reading or can you make it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And if I could have spent that time, that 10 years writing more books, I'd probably be making a lot more money. Exactly. Just to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. I'm not making as much money with my writing career as I could be if I were doing it a different way. So it's all about trade-offs. It's all about what's important to you, mm-hmm. what you need to do as a creator to keep yourself going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and open it up to the floor for questions now. Keith. Um, I thought I saw something, and it was a little confusing to me, when I was reviewing ACX terms. I guess it was going to be mm-hmm. questions to you, Veronica. Uh, I thought I saw something in there, and I am assuming... It has to do with like if you have it out of the ebook, how well it's selling. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing the royalty sharing method, there was some sort of a stipend. So that's happened before. It's um, for a while there, ACX had a it's kind of an enticement program where certain titles were selected to have an additional um, per finished hour stipend, and it was usually fifty dollars. And that was something that came out of um, I believe it came out. Through Audible ACX, it wasn't anything out of the rights holder's pocket um, to pay the author. Yeah. I have not seen that in quite some time. Okay, it, it's That's it's pretty rarefied. It's rarer than style. unicorns right now. Oh. <laughs> um, they don't need it anymore. They've no. got they've got enough uh, narrators. They've got enough it, it's, you know work. The, yeah, <laughs> you you can find like you said there are a lot of there are a lot of narrators on there. You can really you know get your get your pick. Yes, ma'am. I had a question from Alyssa as a reviewer of mm-hmm. uh, audiobooks. Sure. Um, what, how do you feel about the times when they have a story that's told um, third person, but from two points of view, two specific characters? One will do one section, and then you'll have another chapter, another character. One's male and one's female. Some authors feel that they should have two narrators. In some work. books that I have listened to, they have done two narrators. Uh-huh. Um, the one book that I think of is E.J. Stevens. Uh, she has a paranormal setup with uh, fairies and some. Um, the book is mainly from a female character, and the main person in that book is a female narrator. But she has also contracted with the proper company that they have set it up with two narrators. Um, the male voices are done by a male. Um, and most of the book is done by the female. Uh, also... Does it work? It works. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It works. <clears throat> um, it works very well. Or even 
and it is mentioned that you can have one person narrate the whole book if you get the right person that puts the proper personality and innuendo in the voices, you will get a different character feel, even if the voice, even if the voice is the same. Mira Grant did that two narrator, male and female, and it worked beautifully. Yeah. Abigail Hilton is doing it with Rich Outfield and Lauren Scribe Harris as her author, her narrators. I've heard actors do books where they do a different voice for a character, and that works fine. But I think it's more the fact that in a story, there isn't just the dialogue. I mean, someone is telling the story, yeah. right. not person. just the dialogue. Right. So mm-hmm. clearly, someone's you're seeing it from someone's point of view, and mm-hmm. that narration is just as important as the dialogue. Yeah. I think you want to keep in mind the um, how close your perspective is, how close your viewpoint mm-hmm. to the character. If you're in a um, first-person narration or in a very tight, limited third-person then it may be more important yeah, the to yeah to have that yeah. match. If you're in a story like epic fantasy where it's a more omniscient third person perspective, then you can probably get away with a single narrator mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. Yeah. Easily, yeah. It's, and much more distant. And it doesn't yeah. matter. It, it, again, it doesn't matter if your main character in that fantasy is male or female, mm-hmm. but if you get the right. I have listened to fantasy stories that are mainly from a male perspective done by a female, and it is outstanding. Mm -hmm. I don't even realize, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't do a lot of changes in her voice to sound like a male, Mm -hmm. but what she does personality-wise for those characters, I don't even think twice about her being a female with a male yeah. It's like way back in the day when stories were told only orally before written language. A man yeah. or a woman could tell. They're telling mm-hmm. a story. So you look at Ravenwood by Nathan. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, um, and this is Nathan. It's this is Nathan, Nathan being male the storyteller. Voice. Male voice. For a female telling character. Telling the, the story of a female character, mm-hmm. thoughts inside her head, is, and it, it is positively... You don't even Riveting. realize no. the male no. voice. Because it's when a very first, good male storyteller. The thing is, as a reader, as a listener, you go in, okay? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I go in, Nathan, okay? Amazing work. Voice and written. Amazing. Um, going in, I realize that this main character is a female, and I'm thinking, uh, Nathan's narrating. I love Nathan. But, you know, a male doing a female... I say about two, five minutes if you're lucky. <laughs> you don't even realize yeah. it's a male voice yeah, doing a female character. Yeah. You're so into that story. When a narrator reads and disappears, they have yes. done their job. Yes. I, I, I mention that in reviews. When I am listening to a story and I say, you know what, I don't even know who is narrating or male-female for male-female characters, voice differences, whatever, I don't care. I don't even hear that narrator. I, I feel the narrator. I would say one of the biggest mistakes a narrator can make is try too hard. Yes. Mm-hmm. If they, when they are, and that is the perfect fit, and, and when I don't have anything to say about a narrator, I feel that narrator has gone above and beyond 
what they need to do because I can't complain about you. I can't, you've already done that book so much justice. They have moved out of the way and the characters come out. We've got two minutes. I want to give everybody a chance to tell us where we can find their work. So, you can find me, if you're an author looking to hire a narrator, you can find me at voicesbyveronica.com. I'm available through ACX. You can search Veronica Jaguer. I'm the only one there. (laughs) Um, If you go to ACX and type in my name, you will find everything I've narrated and written. It's going to go for a couple of pages. I probably have narrated in a genre you will enjoy. You can find me on Twitter at V for Voice. You can find me on Facebook. Um, search Voices by Veronica or Veronica Jaguer. Again, almost the only one. Look for the red dress. It will be there. I'll be in it. Um, and Secret World Chronicle. You can hear me talk for, I think, six days straight, telling stories about superheroes in Atlanta fighting space Nazis. And that's nice. at secretworldchronicle.com. I'm AF Grappin. You can find me at themeltingpodcast.com. We have a page on Facebook and yeah, yeah, Twitter. Go, this all goes for me. Not this, all of it. This, the this podcast part, stuff. Yeah. This part. Uh, our Twitter at Melting Podcast. Um, you can find me on Amazon. I've got a lot of books over there. My pen name is AF Grappin. F as in Frank, which is not my middle name. Um, <laughs> but anything AF Grappin, Gmail, uh, Facebook, afgrappin.com, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's all me. Um, I'm pretty much just under all the podcast stuff. Anything Melting Podcast related, that is also me. You get me, you get that. Yep, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Melissa. Uh, You can find me at my blog where I review uh, my world in words and pages. And if you are looking for content editing, you can find me at melissalhayden.com. All right. Thank you to all of our panelists, and thank you to you guys for coming. He doesn't exist. He's a figment of our imagination. MetamorCity.com, ChrisLuster.org, and my books are all up for sale on Amazon, and Divine Intervention and Things Unseen are now available on audio. And that was our panel. I hope you enjoyed it. Tahira Mafi said, Sometimes a book isn't a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Sometimes it's the only story you knew how to tell. So, genius or not, let's see how my latest story is coming. Here's your weekly writing report. Over the last two weeks, I wrote 9,230 words, over the course of 12 hours, for an average writing speed of 769 words per hour. As of Friday night, I have gone 54 days without breaking my chain. I'm very nearly finished with The Lost and the Least. I'm now in Chapter 61. The climax is finished, and we're moving into the denouement. The manuscript is just a bit under 197,000 words. This is now officially the longest book I've ever written. I don't know if I'll be able to trim it down substantially during the editing phase, or if it's just going to turn out to be one of those doorstop fantasy novels that everybody makes fun of. We'll see what sort of feedback my beta readers have for me. Over on the Patreon feed, Ben Clifford has finished his latest piece of bonus art. This one is for Fire in the Sky, and it is a thing of beauty. If you're a patron, you can see it at patreon.com slash author chris lester. 
Just a dollar a month gets you access to completed bonus art and behind-the-scenes episode commentaries, while $3 a month gets you more sneak peeks and behind-the-scenes content. This is the very best way to support the show and help me keep making it, so check it out and make a pledge today. And now, the feedback. Sarah Testarossa is catching up at the podcast feed. She says, Finally listened to Maternal Instinct, in one sitting as he suggested. It was interesting, creepy, and its own version of fun. I said to my partner, well, that's creepy, and similar things throughout. I don't know what it says about me, though, that I'd expected it to be even more creepy and unsettling. I wasn't disappointed, just had readied myself for it to be even more so. Maybe because I do enjoy creepy horror movies, and my only prior introduction to this genre was the, in my opinion, very creepy erotic cosmic horror noir mystery, lots of subgenres, Ink by Bernie Moses. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but I hope I am. Which, Sarah goes on to say, she first encountered on the Nobilis Erotica podcast. She concludes, anyway, it's a cool story, and I'm glad you wrote and podcasted it. Thanks, Sarah. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to Ink yet, but I do have a copy of the anthology where it first appeared. For those who are interested, it's called Coming Together, Arm in Arm in Arm, and it's edited by Metamore City's own Nobilis Reed. And for those who haven't heard Maternal Instinct yet, you can find it in episodes 92 and 93 of this podcast. Speaking of Nobilis, he's got a new podcast now. Here's a promo. Hi, my name's Jim, J-I-M, an ordinary name. I'm an ordinary IT guy, but I work in a really interesting place. Information technology and giant monsters. This Kaiju Life. Look it up on Apple Podcasts or on the web at kaiju.libsyn.com. I've been listening to this show for a few weeks now, and it's quite fun. If you like small doses of daily humor with the side of giant monsters, you should check it out. Patricia had this to say about last week's story, The Sentinel. She says, Janus doesn't come off looking too great, here or in Cuckoo. Narrow-minded, jumping to conclusions, and self-righteous. And yet, some of your other stories do show his capacity for self-reflection, change, and growth— along with his heroism. I don't exactly like him, but he's a fascinating character. Hi, Patricia. That's exactly what I was going for. Janus is a hard man who has seen a lot of the worst of what monsters can do. When I started the Metamore City podcast, I wanted my listeners to see Janus the way a lot of people in his world see him. Powerful, scary, overbearing, and kind of a jerk. On the other hand, Ms. Fallon doesn't exactly come off that well in this story either. She uses a little girl as a pawn in a political statement, and trolls Janus mercilessly after welcoming him as a guest. I felt it was important to show both characters behaving kind of at their worst, so that listeners would understand their animosity for one another. And, of course, it gives them both the opportunity to grow and show layers later on, and that's always fun. Keep an eye out for this Christmas season, when I'll be podcasting my new recording of A Lightbringer Carol. That's the story where Janus grows the most, and it's one of my favorites. Lastly, I have some sad news about a member of our Balticon family. 
Rob Stouffer was a longtime member of the Balticon community, and he worked sound engineering for the new media track for several years. If you listen to the first few episodes of Metamore City Live, Rob was the guy who helped us all sound good. On July 15th, 2017, Rob was in an accident at work, and tragically, he passed away. He was 47 years old. Rob is survived by his wife and son and several other members of his family. You can make a donation in his memory to the Philhaven Center for Autism and Developmental Disabilities or the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Clear skies, Rob. We're going to miss you. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And my Twitter handle is Ethereus, E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S. If you like this show, take a minute and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference in helping people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more writing goodness. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2017 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.